what an honour and a privilege to be up here and be able to share the word with you. I haven't done this for a while, it's been a few years, so I feel a little bit rusty, a bit squeaky in the knees, so we'll see how we go. Um, if you don't know who I am, you must be new, because I've been here a bit, and I've spoken a few times up here. Uh, I'm Sean, with my wife Erica, we uh, lead the youth. Um, I'm 35 years old. Sometimes I feel 65 years old. It's, uh, it's, been, um, it's been a journey. I uh, do a physical job, so it wears me down. And I have five very energetic, rambunctious, cheeky, funny, caring children that I take care of, with my wife, of course. Um, I have a sister, and I have a mum and a dad. Pretty standard. Um, at the tender age of 22, I married my one true love, Erica. She's my greatest support, my own personal heroine. Heroine, like a hero, not the other thing. Uh, we've endured a lot in our marriage. It's been nearly, how long has it been? 13 years, I knew that. Definitely knew that, 13 years. November 27, right? Yes, good, excellent. One for the books. Ah, yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a journey. We've had a lot of success, a lot of blessing, a lot of challenge. We're still going through challenge. Um, but one thing that has stayed true is that we've always loved each other. And we always have loved God. We've always had God as uh, the third person in our marriage. I remember when we were first engaged, I had a vision of, of us holding hands, but it wasn't just me and Erica. We were sort of holding hands with Jesus as a triangle, and um, it was thought it was a really, really wonderful way to remember that even though we have each other, we still have Jesus as well, and he's still part of our lives. Um, I enjoy golfing. I enjoy gaming, cricket. I like watching cricket more than playing cricket. Um, I like camping. I like hunting. don't like fishing. don't like boats. I find fishing boring. It's a bit, bit slow-paced for me, but... You know, each to their own. Um, but the reason I might not like that is that I have ADHD. And if you don't know a lot about that, it's kind of like you're driving a Ferrari, but on ice. Your mind's going a million miles an hour, but you've got no brakes and you've got not much steering. And so you sort of fall over yourself a lot and can sometimes interrupt people or get lost in trains of thought. And so bear with me, because if it looks like I've lost track of where I am and... I'm a little bit confused, that's probably what's happened. I have definitely lost my train of thought and gotten confused. So we will get through this together. God has uh, placed a word on my heart that I want to share with you guys. Um, so we'll get stuck in. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. My heart has always been to serve God. I remember being a young, young kid, uh, probably in year five, in year six, um, serving in church. First off, I started learning the drums, and I'd play drums at preteens, which is like the youth group at my old church for 10, 11, 12-year-olds, sort of not yet in high school, but a little bit too old for the kids' church stuff. And um, I really found a lot of 
value and sense of purpose in, in serving in church. Um, I started learning about how to do the sound desk and the projection. Actually, back then it was the overhead projector and you'd had to change the sheets out. So I remember often getting a little shot, shot, and I'd look around and I'd forgotten to change the sheet probably like two or three verses ago. So, and nobody was really knowing what was going on. Um, so, yeah, zoning out. Um, but over the years, I, I found that this serving in church, doing production, the sound, playing drums, um, it, it was really appealing to me. I found a lot of sense of worth there and, and uh, a lot of fun. Um, and as you do, as you're a teenager, you sort of transition out of, out of high school and out of college and, and transition into youth leadership. And so from as long as I can remember, probably 18 years old when I finished year 12, for a few years, I served as part of the uh, youth leadership team at, at our old church, um, as well as still playing the drums and, and I'd help out at our kids' camps and basically just being willing and available to serve wherever was needed. But I didn't really have a th- deep sense or a deep understanding of what God actually wanted me to be doing or what God's plan was for my life. I used to hear growing up in church, God has an amazing plan for your life. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that as they've grown up. It's sort of a very common phrase used. Um, and I, would, I would daydream about all the wonderful, amazing things that God would use me for whether it would be preaching to thousands of people or playing the drums at, at a massive youth rally or, or some sort of event or even, you know, perhaps having my own TV show. I, uh, I was dreaming big. Um, but the interesting, funny thing to me was, looking back, is that I never really asked God what he wanted me to do. It was just that I was told and I was promised this idea that I'm going to have an amazing purpose on my life, and I just started thinking about what, what does that look like? What could that be for me? And I knew that um, sorry, there we go. I knew God had an amazing plan for my life, and I didn't think about what my responsibility for that was. I figured, he's God, he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He'll just, you know, plonk me wherever he needs me, whenever he needs me, and I can just sit back, relax, and wait. Well, that didn't really work out how I had played, how how I had hoped. When I was 19, I remember visiting another church. Honey, can you pass me some water? Thank you. Um, It was just a, I think it was a normal Friday night youth event, spill this. Let's see. And uh, at the end of the service, you know, as they do, wrapped up with a song and and the the person hosting or might have been the worship leader wanted us to pray, just corporate prayer over Canberra, over the youth and and, um, over the church there. And I remember thinking, well, this isn't my church. I'm just visiting. I'm not going to worry about that. I'll just, you know, sit back and relax. And I felt like the Holy Spirit got a little bit frustrated with me, almost, you know, a bit of a kick. So what, what are you talking about? You know, this is, this is part of the body of Christ. 
you know what? You are going to pray. You're going to pray with all your heart and all your spirit. And um, that's what I did. I prayed. I don't, don't remember what, but I remember praying with every fibre of my being um, over whatever we were praying for. And as I was leaving that service, I heard someone call my name, Sean. I was like, God, is that you? No. Uh, it, it turned out to be a uh, someone I didn't, I'd never met before, just this really tall guy, um, kind of intimidating. I mean, I'm pretty tall, but he made me feel small. And um, as he walks over to me, I thought, okay, I might have been a little bit of a larrikin back then, so I was a bit worried that I might be getting in trouble for something. So I was like a bit cautious. I wasn't sure because I definitely didn't recognize who he was. And he comes up and the first thing he says is, you don't know me, do you? I said, no, I definitely don't. And um, so that made me a bit more nervous because somehow he knew my name. I'd never met him before. And he said, as at the end, when we were in the end of the service, while we were praying, he, he was looking around and he saw me and the Holy Spirit gave him my name and gave, me a, gave him a word for me and said, he told me that, Seek God like I've never sought him before. And by the end of the year, I'll understand why. And I don't remember what time of year this was, but I knew it wasn't, you know, November. It was earlier in the year. And I uh, remember feeling like, well, I've never, never experienced such a direct, specific um, instruction before like that from God. And I thought, okay, well... What do I do now? God does have a plan for your life. But our goal shouldn't be trying to figure out what that plan is. Our goal should be seeking God, learning who he is, finding his character, praying, worshipping, learning to hear his voice, and discerning what is truth from fiction. Again, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We shouldn't be searching for what we expect God will use us for or how he will use us. We should only be searching for God himself. After the youth service, I was very excited. I remember going out to Manica. There's a cafe there that we frequented called CAFs. I don't know if it's still there. But uh, I called one of my close friends. I was very excited about this word that had been given to me and I spoke to, spoke to them on the phone, explained what had happened and their response was, yeah, well, I wouldn't get too excited. Who knows who that guy was and even if he was telling the truth or whether he was hearing from God. And that really was a bit of a shock. I was not expecting that sort of response and um, it definitely made me question whether he had heard from God or it was just a trick or whatever, and I, uh, I didn't heed the advice, didn't heed the word that was uh, given to me. Months went by, it got towards the end of the year, and there was an announcement at church that our youth pastor was stepping down, that they needed, he was, I think he had a, a couple of kids in a couple of years, and he was very busy, and, and felt that it was his time to step back, and when, they, when I heard that, I, I was speechless. My stomach sank. I was like thinking, was that, was that what Matt was talking about? 
the guy who spoke to me. He's telling me to seek God. And I thought, I, I've, I've stuffed it. I remember thinking, for, for, for a long time, I remember thinking that. Right, that was God's plan for my life. And I wasn't obedient. I didn't seek him. Even though I knew the plan, I wasn't in the right place at the right time for him to use me. You know, I, I can still do things at church. I can still serve. I can play the drums. I can, I can help set up chairs and tables. But, you know, God can't use me anymore because I missed my opportunity. But praise God that isn't the case. Amen? I'm standing here before you today as a testament that, you know, God covers our shortcomings. He covers, he covers our failings in grace and covers our, you know, lack of obedience, lack of confidence, anything. God can still use me and God can still use any one of you, no matter your age. It's never too young and you're never too old. It wasn't after, long after this, in fact, that Erica and I were asked to um, create and lead a young adults ministry. We named it Impact because we wanted God to impact the lives of our young adults at church, but also because we wanted the young adults to be an impact in our church and our community. I had a vision for Impact that was reaching out the community through Days of Impact, where we started by speaking to the elderly in our church, whether they had any needs around their house, and we'd go and wash windows or mow lawns or any, anything that they were either too old to do or just needed some help to do. Um, and it, it, it was amazing. It was great, wasn't it? Yep. And uh, we also wanted to champion intergenerational ministry. So we really wanted our young adults to be serving in youth, and we had this vision of the youth serving in, into kids' church as well. So there was this idea that they weren't doing life alone, that there was support and there was community there. Um, a byproduct of this impact leading was that I got to hang out a lot with Erica and as the time went on we sort of increased the amount of planning sessions we had but less planning happened in those sessions and more hanging out and more coffees um, and after a good couple of years of serving together and me being madly in love with Erica and Erica playing hard to get she finally succumbed to my charm and rugged good looks. Um, no, truthfully, the first time she said or thought to herself, she told me that, hang on, maybe this Sean guy isn't so bad, <laughs> was one night after our impact, young adults um, thing, uh, meeting, I was sharing what God had been speaking to me about and what he had been um, putting my, setting my heart upon. And so a good tip for you guys out there, you know, if you're after one of those good godly women, don't chase a girl, chase Jesus. Like I mentioned before, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and the girl sitting in the row behind you will be given unto you. No, just kidding. No, no. Seek the kingdom of God first and all things shall be added unto you. She saw the fruit of me seeking God and I saw through seeking God more of God's heart and more of his purpose for me. But why does, why does God have a plan for you? Why does God need us on earth? And it's to, for his kingdom and his cause. It's to reach the unsaved. It's to reach the lost. It's to reach the hurt and the broken. 
And in this uh, era, we live in an information era, and uh, there is so much information out there, so much stuff getting shoved down our throats through social media, through ads online, through traditional media. There's so much information and misinformation out there that um, when I started primary school, I was, we didn't even have internet at home. I grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, and I saw this transformation of technology firsthand. I remember in year three looking through an Encyclopedia Britannica that was on my dad's bookshelf proudly displayed. We still have them at home. There's 26 outdated uh, volumes of uh, information. Um, I remember looking through trying to, figure, uh, trying to win a competition at school that was who could figure out the, you know, the black and white dairy cows. We had to work out what the uh, proper breed name for those were. And so I was looking through this Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, Holstein is the breed, if you didn't know and you were playing along. Um, I didn't win the competition, though, because Encyclopedia Britannica just told me they were dairy cows. So I missed out on a Snickers bar, which is devastating to a kid in year three. Um, we then moved on to, you know, computer labs in year five and year six. But we used floppy disks to transport our assignments from home to school. And then going through getting internet at home, hearing that wonderful tune of dial-up internet, up through to high-speed broadband, getting in trouble from my dad when I was in year nine for sending too many text messages. They used to be 40 cents a pop, if you don't know. It was 150 characters for every 40 cents. So if you sent a paragraph to the girl you liked, it cost you a couple of dollars, and dad was not happy. There's no such thing as capped price mobile plans either. So it was just racking up the bills. Nowadays, my parents are in Finland, a couple taps on this thing, and I can just speak to them, see them, hear them, as if they're in the same room as me now. And it's amazing to have that technology, but it also comes with risk and comes with dangers. And um, comes with a lot of access to information, but also a lot of access to misinformation. There are so many different worldviews, so many belief systems, so many ways someone can identify, so many opinions on the best way to live life out there. I, I, uh, I have on occasion, I admit, that I've found it hard to discern between truth and fiction, whether the person speaking, whether whatever the topic may be, whether they're speaking with their conviction from a place of truth or just because they know that they'll get clicks and they'll get some, some attention from it. And I, uh, it makes me worry, not worry, but it makes me think about the young people, the youth, and what they're, they're going through changes internally and externally in their body, you know, physiological changes, um, and a lot, of, a lot of young teenagers struggle with who they are, how they, what they're going to um, enjoy in life, what kind of music they're going to listen to, so many things about their life that it can be really getting pushed around in a storm, losing sight of, of who they are and, and things like that and what it means to be a Christian. They could be fearful if they are a Christian, that if they share their beliefs, what's going to happen? Will they still have friends? What's going to happen in their lives? Matthew 6.34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. We don't need to fear 
the times that we live through or our times that our children will live through because our God is great and mighty. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he loves us. 1 John 4, 4 puts it, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. God knows who you are. God loves you. Your birth was not a mistake or an accident or you're not here by happen chance. God knows what you were capable of and he wants to share that with you. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says, For you formed, me, you formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, and I know this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days are written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. God knows you. He knows what you're capable of. He knows where your strengths lie. He knows your weaknesses. He knows where you will struggle and he knows where you will thrive. God knits you together. He has called you for such a time as this, to a family such as yours, to parents such as your parents, to your school, your community, your job, to this church, to this city, to this country. You have been called, and God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a future and a hope. The Bible has many stories, many examples of God furthering his kingdom and his cause through strange situations, unusual things and even situations that some, that person shouldn't have even been there in the first place. Esther was um, married to King Xerxes and God was able to use her in that position to disrupt the, uh, the enemy's plans to destroy the Jews. And through Esther's obedience and willingness to put herself in harm's way, she was able to save her people. Daniel was wrongly sentenced to death. and God saved him from the lions. And at the end of chapter 6 in Daniel, it talks about King Darius sending a declaration throughout the kingdom glorifying God. David and Goliath, classic story. An unlikely hero, obedient to God, sent out to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. He didn't take on Saul's armour. He did things the way God made him to do things. The way he was, where his strengths lay and the way that God had made him. Paul, a Pharisee among the Pharisees, seeking out and killing Christians from the early church, only then to be transformed into a key player for that same early church, becoming imprisoned for his convictions in Christ and ultimately dying for his belief. The common thread of the people above is that they took their relationship with God seriously. What happens when we do the same? At the start of last year, I made a New Year's resolution. I've made many of those throughout the years, but this one felt different. 
It seemed different and it had a different purpose. It wasn't lose weight or mow the grass every weekend or, you know, walk the dog every day. Poor dog. He uh, needs walks more. It was to seek God more. Erica and I started doing a daily devotional in the mornings before I went off to work just to have some sort of interaction with God and seeking his word and seeking him. And in, uh, in May last year, we took our kids with Dave and Joe and some of the other youth to a Youth Alive regional event down Southside. While we were there, during the uh, worship, I felt God saying, you're going to go back into youth ministry. I was like, what? I'm 34. Back then I was young still, but I felt old then even. 34. I thought, you know, youth pastors are meant to be in their early 20s with all the energy in the world and all the ideas in the world. So I'm 35. I don't know if I... I thought, no, nah, it's, it's just... It's just me getting swept up in the hype of the, of the excitement and the passion that was in that room, and I thought, ah, that, that can't be right. Um, but I, I prayed about it. I saw counsel from uh, godly men in my life or godly people in my life, and I came to the conclusion that, all right, this was God. He was calling me back to serve the young people. But if this was God, I put a little caveat in there, <laughs> I don't want to be the one to run up to Dave and say, Dave, 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 guess what I got told at Youth Alive? I'm going to be the youth pastor. You know, I feel like uh, he might have looked at me and be concerned. Um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be influencing him in something that I wasn't 100% sure was God. So... I sat on it. I didn't say anything. I think I said something to Erica, but I didn't say anything, anything to anyone at church for a while. And unbeknownst to me that they did need help in, in the youth. And uh, David made an announcement about a month later saying, offering um, or inviting anyone who felt called to serve in the youth to, you know, reach out to him and let, them know, let him know that, that they're available. And uh, so I did. I texted him. I kept it pretty vague. I kept it vague and available as the advice was given to me. I just said, Dave, if you need help in the youth, I'm, I'm willing to do it, whatever you need. I didn't say, you know, make me the youth pastor, God said. Um, so he replied, oh, you know, that's great, Dave. Uh, great, Sean. Thanks for that. Uh, I'll let you know, you know, what happens. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Very good. And then time went on. Yeah, probably... Week after week, he kept announcing at church, like, we need youth, we need youth leaders, we need youth leaders. Like, he still hasn't said anything to me. Okay, maybe I wasn't hearing from God. Maybe it was all the hype. And uh, then Dave started announcing that youth is coming back. I still hadn't heard from Dave. Oh, Dave, what is going on? Maybe, maybe I definitely, okay, yes, all right, I haven't heard from God. I, I, it was all just the hype. I'm an old man now. I've got five kids. I, I, I'm not going to be a youth pastor. Nah. Anyway, we, were, we invited the Rotniaks over for uh, State of Origin Game 3. Go Queensland. Um, I'm from Canberra. 
But my dad was born in Queensland, so I claim Queensland heritage. I know. You can pray for me. <laughs> anyway, so Dave messaged and said, hey, can we come a little bit early? We want to talk about youth. Oh, phew. I felt a sense of relief. Um, not that finally he knows, but more that that doubt of did I hear from God went away. Well, I had hoped that he was coming over to speak about leading youth, um, but he didn't say that in the message. Anyway, so we, we sat down for dinner and, and um, Dave and Joe explained a bit of the scenarios, what happening with the youth at the time and they asked, then they asked us, Erica and I, to, to lead the youth. And I started going off into this tangent about a little bit of what I've shared here to, today and um, how I've served a lot in youth and, and um, oh, it was probably a few minutes, maybe three, four minutes just talking and Erica nudges me gently and says, are you going to answer them? I said, oh, yes, 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 of course. Yes, we would love to lead the youth. And I realized that they had been sitting on the edge of their chairs waiting for an answer. I hadn't actually said, yeah, we'd, we'd be honored. And then I was sort of able to explain the last few months and that, you know, God had put it on my heart and, and all of these things. And then, obviously, you know what happened next. We became um, responsible for the youth. We uh, took that mantle on and, and hopefully we're doing a good job. By the grace of God, we're doing a good job and, and he has much more in store for, for this church and the youth. Um, but all of this came not through me hoping for uh, an amazing plan in my life or, or trying to figure out through whatever means to work out what God wanted me to do. It was through seeking him. It was through nothing more than being obedient to my New Year's resolution of, of seeking God and as I heard from him, being obedient in that. I remember having a... How are we going for time? Am I rushing? Am I got time? Have I got time, guys? <laughs> cool. You can say no. Not a trick question. <laughs> I had a dream. I've shared this with the youth leadership, but I had a dream um, before youth started, but after we spoke with Dave. And it sort of seemed like a bit of a uh, police TV drama where uh, I was a detective, and the, the dream started with the image of a, of a mansion. And the, let's say, let's camera zooms in into the, into the mansion and there was this woman there in a red dress. And uh, I got the sense that this was a seductress. And we were there, me and, and my investigative partner, as all, you know, police dramas have, good cop, bad cop, um, we were there to investigate. We didn't, I, I didn't understand what we were there for, but I had this image of children hiding away in, in walls or corridors, peeking out every now and then, dirty, raggedy clothes, and just afraid, hiding away in these walls. And I remember seeing an image of, you know, the classic detective with the 
with the notebook out, writing notes, I was interviewing this woman in the red dress. As I was doing this, I was sort of in the background and my partner went to reach into the wall and there was a little girl there that scurried away as the hand went in. And I woke up and I remember just having this heavy heart and, and, and crying. I was in the middle of the, middle of the night. I had no idea why I had such a dream. And it's, it's, it's strange for me to remember dreams even the day after, let alone six months later. Um, but it felt like... God, while I was there crying, I felt like I needed to pray. And as I was praying, I felt God revealing who these characters were in the dream. And the mansion and the woman in the dress is the world and the enemy seducing these young, young people, the generations to come, into what looks like beauty, elegance, glitz and glamour, fame and fortune. But once they're in that world, they're, they're hidden away, trapped away in this dirty, dark, scary place. And it was our job to reach those people, reach those kids, reach those generations. And I didn't know who my partner was in the dream. I believe now that it was the Holy Spirit partnering with Erica and I in our ministry. But I believe that as a congregation, we have a responsibility as well outside of just whoever's in the youth leadership, not just to the young people, but to everyone in our church community and the greater community to, uh, to reach the lost to reach the unsaved. But what does that look like? Well, my parents, like I said, are overseas. But they set an example of servanthood when I was a child. I remember being in kids' church age, probably Ash's age, maybe Maddox's age. My dad was doing kids' church, and every now and then I'd sit down and I'd get a whoopee cushion under my chair and it was actually Erica's brother, Tommy, that did it. Um, and he would just be told off. But I would do something silly or little that I felt like wasn't a big deal. And my dad got me in big trouble. I remember complaining to him, Dad, why did you get me in trouble? So much more than the other kids. And he, without hesitation, he said, that's because I expect more from you than the other kids. I remember my mum often busily cooking or baking for events at the church, helping out at they did youth conferences, special events. I remember one time crying my eyes out at youth camp because I wasn't allowed to stay overnight. I had to go home, couldn't stay for the, for the night meeting with my dad. Mum would drag me home. And then in the late 90s, my parents moved church just to a little, little church that met at the um, high school. Gold Creek High School over there, Kangalan Community Church, and I remember my parents and me then helping out, putting signs out like the ones we have out there now. And um, my parents set the example that church was important, that the community here was significant and that there would be a support and that there would be an encouragement in my life. I've heard it said that if parents view the church as optional, they shouldn't be surprised if their children see it as unnecessary. 
So church, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to be Christ-like, to continue to build and strengthen generations, continue to build our church as a place of welcoming, a church that embodies what it means to be Christ-like. And perhaps there's an area in church ministry that you felt called to in the past and you've either thought you've missed your opportunity or you're too young or you're too old. Let me tell you, it's, it's not the case. And perhaps you feel like you're already doing enough. There are plenty of people serving in the church, doing an amazing job, and thank you so much, but there's always work to do. And in any event, I would want to encourage you to know that God has a plan for your life, that you are here for a purpose, but more importantly, God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to seek him, and he will seek you out as well. Erica's going to come up shortly to uh, close the service, and if I can get the worship team to come down. As that happens, I just want to spend a moment just in a bit of quiet, give you guys a, a, an opportunity to just reflect upon what I've shared here today and what God may have been speaking to you in your life, where you feel that maybe your strengths are, where you can help build this community up and build these generations up, reach the, the kids hidden in the walls and secure their future. Thank you.